2: Welcome back to another edition of Break It Down. Sorry for the delay, but I, Alice McCarthy, is here with Kenny McIntosh, the tanned Kenny McIntosh. I'm going to gamble and say, fresh sure. holiday.
3: more tanned than usual, which is to say, uh, not pasty white.
2: Well, it's... I thought you were going to say more tanned than you, and I was going to say, well, obviously, like
3: yeah. you, know, oh, we, you we are,
2: you're pale, we are. but I'm a, like, you know, my my grand's Irish pale is what yeah. I am.
3: We're very pasty, unfortunately.
2: We are. Factor 30 gang. Uh, welcome back, guys. It's an exciting period, of course, in the wrestling world because we're about to enter the summer of UK shows, Kenny. Uh, Money in the Bank is literally just around the corner. Before you know it, All In will be hitting the capital as well. Uh, and along with that, we've got a lot of interviews coming up for you guys that you'll be able to enjoy in the next few weeks, both here in audio form and, of course, in visual Entertaining uh, on the YouTube channel that would be inside the ropes. You know that already. Um, today, though, it starts with Dominic Kenny. Your little chat with with a uh, prison Dom himself.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, my chat with Dominic, which we'll play at the end. Is uh, yeah, it's, it's like twenty minutes. We spoke for the magazine. Uh, I think I said this before. The, the, the good thing about it was I'd seen you know the interview you did with and interviews, interviews, loads of people had done with him, and that kind of gave me a bit of an advantage because. I knew that what he would try to do is to give me the kayfabe answer on Ray. So I did my best to sort of lure him into giving me different answers, which
2: worked. King manipulator Kenny.
3: Well, look, you know, I'm asking him about his training. I'm asking him about how it went. And then then I kind of said, you know, one of the questions I said was, talk to me about Clash at the Castle, you know, Lot of you know, fam, like lot of family breakups don't work in wrestling. What were you thinking? And he had a really good line about you know, I knew the first hit had to be good because if nobody believed the first hit, they wouldn't believe anything. Which is a good line. So it is a good one.
2: It is a good um, one. Yeah.
3: So I think I think people will enjoy it. I know uh, people in, on social media have been saying it was it was a fun chat. So yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a a, a good conversation.
2: Tremendous! Well, make sure you check it out. Stick so stick around and catch it at the end of this show. Um, before then, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, speaking of Money in the Bank, we know who the six men are going to be in London. I put this okay. on Twitter. I put this on Twitter today, right? Like saying, "Who do you think is going to win?" Uh, it is Santos Escobar. It is Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, and the ever popular. L A Knight. Now, no former world champions, which is kind of nice and refreshing. Uh, you know, you, you're going to try and make someone new, presumably. Yeah, the winner of this match, um, Pete Dunn, repping for the hometown. Kind of, he's from Birmingham, but you know, he'll be the he'll be the partisan crowd. If Drew can have a hometown thing in Cardiff, yeah, so he, yeah, Pete exactly. Dunn can get out get for Birmingham. Pete's gonna be over. Um, two hours doesn't make a difference. And and then have got you got Ricochet, he's gonna be bumping around everywhere, and you've got LA Knight, which I think is probably the consensus fan favourite to win it. Um you know, you've got him and Pete that will probably rally the babyface side of things, but you know, Priest has kind of made a real good niche for himself in Judgment Day, Kenny. Um but we were discussing before we came on air that potentially the winner isn't in the match yet.
3: Yeah, well, because obviously they've announced for next week's RAW that Logan Paul is going to be back in WWE, and it just makes sense that he would be in the ladder match. It's just you know because it would be a it'd be a glorious kind of bit of drama for the match. Because so the crowd will desperately not want him to win it. Um, and yeah, and it's, I think and I think it adds somebody who you could you could see them giving the briefcase to him. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, to me, it's like you kind of got four people in it at that point who could win. Damian Priest could win. Pete Dunne, hopefully, well, Butch, but hopefully he'll be rechristened Pete Dunne, could win. I think he's probably the least likely. But um, LA Knight could win. Or Logan Paul. So I think it's a good... I mean, obviously, Shinsuke Nakamura, you know... Sorry, Shin, but the last time you put in a spirited performance was in Dallas in 2016. <laughs> I mean... It's just, you know... But you know, way, it's like Shinsuke Nakamura, who is a who's a really great athlete, he's he's so good when he wants to be. But it's like you know when you see someone who's working in like a shop and they're just like flicking a coin up and down because they're so bored? That's yeah. what Nakamura feels like.
2: He's obviously uh, picking up like the best money of his career. You know, he's forties now. I Yeah. You know, I, I I don't want to disparage him, but I agree. Like the opening showdown with Sami Zayn in NXT was unbelievable, an all-time contest. And Shinsuke had, you know, he had a good run of bangers on SmackDown. And I felt the time for him was obviously the AJ Styles at WrestleMania 38, right? And then it just did not deliver. I think, you know, we can all agree on that. Yeah. Um, and it felt like, you know, they, they uh, you know, the heel turn and they tried to, you know, I just... It just fell flat for him then, and he's never really recovered, to be honest. Yes, I, I think I think
3: there's been points where he's had like a match which has kind of made you think, "Oh, there's the old Shinsuke." But yeah, I think he's just kind of, I think he's enjoying living in a country where he can go surfing every day. I think <laughs> he's just relaxed, which is fine. Like it's fine, but then you know we can we can in turn not be excited about him. That's kind yeah. of a, i mean. A, hey.
2: I, I look at Shinsuke and I think him winning this. Like I've seen some people be excited about it, but I, I just don't think I would. Who? Uh, I, mean, I don't
0: what?
2: think. Well, uh, some people are replying to my post. Kenny. Wow! I mean, uh, well, I just you know, with
3: something you score. I just, I, I just can't get to that mainstream.
2: There's nothing different, is there? Like it doesn't, that doesn't excite me. And i have kind of got. Maybe this isn't fair because you know it's not the same administration per se, or maybe it is, but in different cloak and daggers. But um, LA Knight strikes me as the type who is popular in WWE, just going to kind of peddle him around, but not actually push him where his popularity maybe deserves. And, you know, Ziggler and Ryder, I guess, are examples of that down the years as well. I'm not sure that they are going to factor him into the world title picture at any point really i mean I, what they've done with him he was easily the most overperson person wrestlemania weekend probably and they haven't really done much of him since and whether that's because they're building to this and this will be you know when he gets his kind of grand moment i don't know i don't know but i do just get the feeling that fans are not gonna quite get what they want out of this loving for LA Knight right now, and maybe I speak that as a bitter son of 2013 Dolph Ziggler fan, but that's so you're, what it you're, feels you're basically right. just
3: trying to you're trying to make temper everyone's expectations. Oh, yeah, really? I'm
2: I'm telling you, you'll get.
3: hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will. So who so who do you, who do you think is going to be win the briefcase?
2: Well, if if it if it's if it is these six men? I think it's between Knight and Priest pre-strikes me as a WWE decision um, if it's not someone in this match which I think it isn't then I agree it probably is Logan Paul and I actually think the more I think about that I think it's a really good decision <laughs> like whether you end up putting it on him or not like the actual title uh, he's kind of proven his credibility already inside the ropes uh, hey. yep. Um so I think there won't be many people that, you know, he wouldn't get the visceral dislike that he would have got maybe a year ago. But uh, at the same time, I can just imagine him being a right smug twat with it, which would be good TV.
3: We do like smug twats in our wrestling.
2: <laughs> There's a long lineage of smug <laughs> twats. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I mean... I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I think the match itself, when I look at those talent on paper, though, I do think that's a good ladder match. So there is that. Uh, and then we've got the ladies. We've still got one person to figure out for the ladies, but we've got Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, and EO Sky. Um, Becky is obviously the monstrous kind of star in this match. I know Bailey too, but her star is maybe dimmed a little with how her faction has been booked. I think that's fair to say. But Becky is, like, by far the biggest star. wonder if it's too easy of a route for her when I'm looking at EO Sky. And I think if EO Sky picks it up and then you've got the Asuka factor and the dissension with Bailey within the faction, well, at least, I, mean, I guess they're a tag team now that Dakota's on the bench with an injury. Yeah, I think,
3: I, think, I mean, when I look at the, the current five that are in it,
2: I think, to me, Eos feels like
3: the best choice. Just because you can do the thing, but if Eos wins, then you've kind of got dissension with her and Bailey because, you know, Bailey wanted to win it. So I think that would be pretty good. Um, Becky, I mean, they could do Becky. You know, Cena won it in 2012, but then Cena, I mean, that Cena run as Money in the Bank winner was not exactly critically acclaimed.
2: I don't think many babyface runs with the briefcase are. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, she wouldn't be the first big star to win it. I just mean, is that really the way back? To you know, like, uh, yep. I don't know, I, I don't
3: know. I mean, I will say this I think that the money in the bank card overall is shaping up pretty well because, in theory, we've got the money in the bank ladder matches plus Seth and Finn, Asuka, Charlotte, uh Cody and Dom. Cody
2: and Dom is going to be great. I've yeah. already decided.
3: Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it, it is destined to succeed. You've got Owens and Zayn against the winner of this gauntlet match on Friday, which like got Pretty Deadly and Sheamus and Ridge and uh, Street Profits, so they'll be one of them. And then, obviously, we assume Roman Reigns and so to go against the Usos, oh, which God. feels like the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I'm mean, i pretty happy with that card overall. I think it's a good, a good card. I think the crowd will be really up for it.
2: Um, yeah, so... plenty of us to sink our teeth into there. Plenty. And uh,
3: then, well, no, sorry. So just to, so the Ask a Charlotte match apparently is going to be on the SmackDown in London, not on.
2: Uh, I can see that. You know, give yourself an attraction over two nights. I can. I yeah. can get behind that. I mean, I'm going to be at both, so doesn't doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, same. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, th- I think I think we've
3: got a lot to look forward to. Um, and then you know, obviously, when that shows over. You would imagine a couple of weeks after that, we should start to have an idea what the AEW card's going to be. I mean, we still don't know how we're going to be able to watch it <laughs> on TV or on streaming or something. But yeah. well, I mean, we're, you... I mean, we're going to be
2: there, Kenny. It's not our problem, is it? Yeah. I mean,
3: it's, yeah. <laughs> Fuck everyone else. But, I mean, what do you do? So, do you think, um, do you see WWE doing some sort of retaliatory move to? 70,000 people in Wembley. Do you see them doing something to kind of go well
2: not 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 in the maybe immediate um you know not this year probably uh, i do think money in the bank is a stepping stone you know like another stepping stone for WWE in the uk and but perhaps you know maybe you can count that as the big 5 but maybe we'll get one of the big 4 next year um if it all goes well here which no reason why it won't um the last I heard was that Tottenham Hotspur was the stadium they were looking at doing next. So that it has a partially closed roof that basically covers the fans, but not the action. So I guess they just have to put up the big gazebo in case,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: um, that was the last thing that I heard that if they were going to run one in London, it would be there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not, I, pff, unless something ridiculous happens, it's not going to be this year now. Cause by the time you get out of the summer, you just physically can't run a stadium show in London, um, yeah. you know, without running the risk. Uh, so, no, I don't think they're going to do it this year. But you say retaliatory. are uh, I think things are going well for WWE
3: overall, right? Like, well, they're, going, they're going great. They're going better than they've been going in
2: years. Years, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, they're hot, right? They're selling out. Most but years. at the
3: same time, UK is their UK is WWE's but, turf.
2: It, yes, yeah, I'll grant you that, but um, you know, you, I mean, SmackDown. So, uh, someone sent me some numbers earlier, like nineteen percent up versus this time last year, like two two point near, near, just under two point three million, I think. The eighteen to forty nine demographic they used to get crucified in is up like forty percent. Um, yeah, no one's really talking about those numbers anymore. But you know, two two or three years ago is all you could bloody talk about. Um.
3: Raw's also, Raw's, Raw's, Raw in America is 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 keeping its viewership, and sometimes it, and sometimes getting more than usual, which is kind of unheard of for TV yeah. right now. So this
2: is what I mean: selling out shows. They're doing records at every pay per view right now. Certainly, WWE are very happy to peddle them our way and tell us all of the great things they're doing in terms of viewership and you know money, revenue, and gates. Uh, they're selling out shows, and they're getting the, they're getting better. Consistent ratings on TV. Like, you can't really knock that. I think, I don't think they haven't run Wembley because they don't, you know, they fear that they would draw less than AEW or anything like that.
3: Well, no, they, they, they didn't run Wembley because the Welsh government gave them
2: money. Well, yeah. I, and, and you got the roof, right? So it's a double win. Yeah. You know,
3: you know? I mean, I, I, look, I'm selfishly saying I would quite be up, I'd be up to a Wembley WWE pay per view. So yeah. uh, I well, hope that they do something. In retaliation, so that we can get another. I mean, because I do understand some people. I'm in Glasgow, I do understand the kind of thing of like, does it always need to be London? But the thing is, that's that's the central place. It is. That's, that's, you could do something in Manchester, but then really, uh, if you're going to be Manchester, you may as well just be London. Yeah. You know? So.
2: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see WWE run Spurs or Wembley next year. Um, it's, it's just, you know, again, if we're talking about the big four or we're taking it up a notch from money in the bank, it's not going to be Mania, we know that. And, it's the Survivor Series and Royal Rumble is just too damn cold, so it's it's SummerSlam and, you know, have they sorted out SummerSlam next year? It's Detroit this year, but where is it next year?
3: Uh, there's not, It's not been announced. Do you know,
2: I don't know I don't well, next year. Then, there could be hope, <laughs> right? Yeah, we could be, we, we could have it in England. You never know. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I mean, great for AW just to revert back to them that they are moving. Was it close to seventy thousand at this point, or something like that?
3: I suppose seventy, yeah. Which is uh, ins-
2: which is insane numbers. It is so. I, I, Well, uh, to be fair, I don't know about you. Whether I'm naive or not, I I thought they would draw well. I thought they would draw close to this mark.
3: I thought they would I thought they would do fifty to sixty. that was my number. I did not think they would do seven to do seventy without a match announced and without having done a show here was pretty impressive
2: yeah it is it is I mean, and it's, then like,
3: now... It's punk, time. yeah and if, when, once punk comes back because obviously he wasn't part of the initial advertising if he comes back and and that's fine as well, <laughs> then more people might want to come so
2: you right. know. Bloody dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is one of them things with AEW. I think right now, a lot of their focus is, of course, on Forbidden Door. Now, amazing matches they've <laughs> they've got announced for that. Okay, You've got Brian Danielson and Okada, which is just, again, you don't even have to be the biggest Japanese buff to know what a huge, huge matchup that is um and just the promo from danielson on okada you know saying you know the rainmaker you're going to be out in the desert and all this stuff i, I thought it was fantastic and then you got kenny Ma- kenny kenny Macintosh. he's certainly not facing will osprey but kenny omega is um so whatever they do with the rest of the card, kenny that's they, they've pretty much
3: sold the event yeah no, they, they have they have but i think you do want to it, it, it's like when, So when WWE did Clash, right, and they sold all the tickets, and it's like, that's great, you've sold all the tickets, but you need, if you give people the hot main event, you give them the Dom turn, you give them a couple of things to kind of make them feel like it's a big show, you know, you want it to be remembered, because then people are going to want to come back and do another yeah. one. So I think, I think hopefully soon-ish they'll have an answer on where people are going to be able to see it. Because it would be wild. I mean, Tony Khan has said there will be some way to see it. But who knows how?
2: We'll see. He's talking all in now.
3: Yeah, all in, yeah. With all in, like... I
2: I imagine Fight will pick it up for us. But, you know, I... Who knows? Who knows? They, They do have a deal with DAZN internationally and stuff like that. So I guess they just need to piece it together, but... It's a big
3: ask to get people to pay... Because if you're in America, I think it's $50 for the pay-per-view. So to do do $50 back-to-back on, you know, all-in weekend, the next weekend, all-out, a lot. That is a lot to ask. That is a lot.
2: But but still, put on the shows, people will come, Kenny. People will come. Uh, Speaking of AEW, I guess before we get on to Dominic, let's quickly touch upon... Uh, the fact that a brand split is basically upon us, right? Uh, CM Punk is going to be leading Collision on Saturdays for AEW. Uh, Dynamite, for all intents and purposes, looks like it will be the Elite Show, and that's where the line will be drawn. Um, Kelly, good idea, bad idea. Mm, I mean, so
3: Tony Khan has said he it, it will not be a firm split. It will be that you know people are kind of. Some people are on one show mostly and they're not on the other. I think the problem's going to be, I don't think brand splits work particularly well. That's why WWE kind of have people across both shows. Yeah. Because, but then the problem will become if, so like if you are, so say they want Moxley to be on both shows. So Moxley, would ha- at the moment, Moxley leaves his house on a Tuesday, flies to TV, does TV on a Wednesday, flies home on a Thursday. That's his week at the moment for AEW. If he was then doing collision he would need to fly out Tuesday do the show Wednesday would he then go home on Thursday then fly back out on Friday then fly back in on Sunday and do that every week would he stay yeah. in the area for like two days twiddling his thumbs I think it to me to me it's, I mean the, the the brand split thing is really just a way to keep punk away from the. Elite.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It feels like that, a million percent. Um, um,
3: But then you've got a lot of other people, you know, people like Miro and Andrade and Thunder Rosa, people who they're all going to be on on that Saturday show. Um, I think the, the, the thing is, for a lot of people, I think the Saturday show will be an easier sell because, like, I know people who work Monday to Friday and they don't really get a chance to see Dynamite because it's in the middle of the week. And there's just not really the time. Whereas on a Saturday night, you can either watch it or watch it in Sunday morning. It's easier to kind of catch up with. But the show has to be, it has to be big. I mean, the, in I think it's in Hamilton, Ontario, in a couple of weeks. They've they're doing a dynamite show on the Wednesday and a collision show on the Thursday. And the dynamite show has sold three thousand tickets, and the collision show has sold eight hundred and eighty three tickets.
2: I mean, is Hamilton a hotbed of wrestling? You know, I, you know, I know Canada is, but
3: but I think I, th- but I mean I think a lot of the numbers are they're not that bad, it's like eight hundred eighty-three. But people aren't biting on collision yet. So this well, I guess we... why would
2: they? Even for the, for the first show, I mean, you know, before you know who's going to be, you know, we know Punk's on it. That's pretty much it. I know we got the main event for the first show. Was it? It's Punk and uh, okay, FTR. FTR
3: against uh, Just Jay and Samoa
2: yeah, which again, like, okay, on paper that's great, but must, I don't know, don't know what the story is really, do you? But, yeah, but,
3: but there you go, so So that, the case in point is like, so CM Punk's coming back, the first show you, you basically should just be selling his promo, that's it. Have the do a promo, maybe a Bullet Club come out and interrupt him, FTR saves him. Samoa Joe comes out and gets involved at that point, and then you kind of tell the story. Because at the moment it's like Samoa Joe has never interacted with Jay White and Just Robinson on TV. Um, so why are they together? And yeah, I just feel like they're giving away a lot of story stuff and just then just sort of saying, here's the main event for week one. Yeah. Like in Punk's Wrestling on the first TV show. Like straight away, wouldn't you like? set that up on week one and then be like he's, he's wrestling on week two and we then... have to
2: I mean isn't he heavily involved in his own creative we've heard and Ace, Ace still basically has a job for that very reason presumably these are his ideas man this is what he wants and he's going to live and die by them it, it appears I mean at
3: least the, the thing is I, I always remember from the, from the first run that Punk had and I know that he was trying to do the best thing like working with younger talent and stuff but see when you're 43 and you're a bit like, you've you've got injuries and stuff, the last thing you need to be doing is 15-minute TV matches with Lee Moriarty. Mm. Like, just be an attraction. Be, you know, do, have one match a month, be in a faction, have them wrestle for you, like, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that would be much better. But I think, I I hope that on Saturday, it's a big show and big stuff happens and then people are are into it. Because... I think you're going to have some very unhappy AEW people if they're going to have to keep. Like, if people are going to have to be on both shows, I think maybe the answer to that is that you tape on a Thursday.
2: Yeah. You know, and you do Wednesday. I mean, Wednesday yeah, yeah, I mean that, that's kind of what WWE did that once upon a time, didn't they? The mm-hmm. days and the Tuesdays. Um, yeah, I think they've got enough talent to do a brand split, but I agree with you that seldom does it work. I think WWE 2002, 2000, you know, yeah, 2002, sorry, where they did have a hard split, but the champions, or the world champion anyway, and I think, I can't remember if they champ, no, the other champion, so the mid cards were on shows, but like the world champion, basically the women and the man could go wherever. Um, that was probably the, the best version, but then it was always weird because whoever the champion was feuding with kind of left the other show without a world title picture, right? So you're constantly trying to juggle things so yeah you know, again the point i'm getting at is it's all very convoluted and it's difficult to maintain in an ideal world i get the, from a concept standpoint you know the same way that wcw and wwe were rivals because they are just completely different if you can separate them and make them rivals that way i do get in principle how that would be good wwe have just never been able to right so that presents its own problems would aw do it better I guess t- only time will tell, but if it's not a hard split, then your Miro's and your, you know, whoever else does need to get a chance. Are they really? Yeah, I, I, they had Rampage to, you know, if if needing more time to make use of the roster was something, they have Rampage for that. Not doing a very good job of that, is he?
3: Yeah, I mean, ramp- Rampage, Rampage is just not something that's must-see, which is the, but then, I mean, you know, for years, I can't remember if I said this before. There was a, a couple of years where I just didn't watch SmackDown back in like 2014, 2015, because yeah. yeah. nothing, nothing happened on it that you needed to see. Whereas that's why in 2016 they did do the brand split. So for a few years it was, you know, if you wanted to see AJ Styles, you had to watch SmackDown. If you wanted to see Brian Dan- uh, Daniel Bryan, God, if I start saying that name again, I, need to, <laughs> I have to remain with Brian Danielson, otherwise I'll revert.
0: you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST.
3: But, I mean, do you think tourism will be a success or do you think it will go the way of rampage?
2: I think just as a idea the concept of keeping punk and the elite away from each other and having two shows is doomed. Like there's a shelf life on that anyway. And as soon as punk falls out with somebody in AEW or, you know, when he decides to jack it in or he's bored of it or, you know, whatever, it doesn't work for him anymore. Then the show's going to run into problems straight away. Cause that's kind of like what it's predicated on at the moment. And not that they don't have the strength of talent to make a compelling wrestling show on Saturday nights, because I think they do. But Punk seems deeply rooted in this creatively, and obviously, you know, he's got his buddy back and all of this stuff. And I just don't know. I think I know. I know it's worthwhile financially for Tony; otherwise, he wouldn't be doing it. But do I think it's going to be a long-term success? I mean, if you'd asked someone after week one of Rampage if they thought he was going to be a success, probably universally they would have said yes. Um, so I'm not going to look too far in the future because I'm not sure it will defrone the flagship show.
3: Yeah, I think it's tough because, you know, we, we all still so not story, but if you listen to Punk's side of it or what people are saying Punk's side of it is, is that he felt betrayed by some of the stuff that happened. So if this is what it takes to make him you know, trust the process again, fine. But, I mean, I think the thing is, there will be a lot of people who want to work with Punk and want to not be a part of the elite stuff. Like, I think there will yeah. be a kind of balance of both. So, in that sense, I think it'll be good. But The
2: elite could be gone by next year as well, Unless we forget. Their contracts have not been sorted out yet.
3: Yeah. I mean, I can, I can totally see Kenny Omega in WWE, 100%. I can. I the can. Young Bucks, I struggle with. I think if they went to WWE... I don't
2: think. I think they would do well. I I could see Kenny getting the AJ run in WWE. Like, you know, great big matches, title run. I could see it, right? But you're right. As far as tag teams go, yes, Triple H has done a bit to uh, wipe the mud off what Vince McMahon treated them as, but they're not going to get to do what they want to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's, Which it's, actually,
3: for me, I would enjoy them more if they didn't get to what they wanted to do. So <laughs> for me, it would probably be a blessing in disguise. But I fear for the for the general elite stand. That is probably not what they like, what they want. You no, know?
2: so I, it is. I mean, let's move on to something we do want, and that's some Dom Mysterio and Kenny McIntosh going back and forth, chopping it up. Uh, thank you for joining us once again, by the way. On break it down, we will be back weekly building up to money in the bank and hopefully we'll be doing a show in London that weekend as well. Should be plenty, plenty of content for us to dish your way, both here and on the YouTube channel inside the ropes. Uh sit back and enjoy Kenny McIntosh and Dom. Kenny, anything uh we want to tell the fine listeners before we depart here, uh, you know, re Bischoff or any other upcoming plans?
3: Uh, so uh, you can go to itrtex.com to get tickets to Eric Bischoff. He's, we're going to Dublin, Cork, Belfast, or Cork, Dublin, Belfast, London, and Glasgow. Gangrels in Glasgow in July as well. Um, come along, say hi. Um, Eric's always really good; doesn't hold back. And uh, yeah, I'm, I think it'll be a good summer for for UK fans. We will be back weekly. I was away in holiday, and there was just no internet. Well, there was there was a bit of internet, but. Is a whole thing. And then, you know, there's illness, but we, we will try our best. I'm not going to say we'll always be here every week, because inevitably we will not be.
2: But we will try. <laughs> Something will happen. We will try.
3: Like, Alex has got ten kids, four dogs. Also,
2: <laughs> so he's got
3: to look after his little football team. So I would um, say,
2: so I had COVID last week, which was very 2020 of me. I know, look at you, all retro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, vintage. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, you know things get in the way. But we will endeavour to be here weekly. Um, and once again, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week. Enjoy Kenny McIntosh and Dominic Mysterio. I
3: just want to start off by you've had a great three years, obviously, in WWE, but I want to go back to the start, the custody of Dominic match in 2005. It must be pretty strange to have grown up, obviously kind of been involved um, through your dad and your uncle, Uncle Eddie. I, I'm curious about when that happened, the custody of Dominic match, Like, how do you... Are you, how are you clued into that as a kid or are you just kind of like, how do you react to all that going on? You're on TV, you're being discussed, go to school. How was that experience for you?
1: Oh, it was a, it was a crazy experience for me, you know, especially being a seven, eight year old kid getting asked to, uh, to be part of this huge storyline between, you know, uh, Ray Mysterio and, and my uncle Eddie. So it was a, it was a surreal moment. Um, i I was a very shy kid so I didn't want to do it but when they said that I was going to get paid and and get a little extra candy on the side you know I was all for it especially when they said I had to miss school so it was uh it was a really fun fun time for me
3: And you you mentioned kind of you were going backstage a lot with your dad obviously working in WWE what are your kind of favorite backstage memories that you had of kind of growing up around this crazy world
1: Oh uh I think Stealing the BWO tricycles, um, that'd be one of them. Going around making like a like tape ball, like the wrist tape that we use now to tape our wrist. I would I would use it to make tape balls with edge and go around just hitting people with them. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Um, just little memories
3: like that, and there's there's a lot of the same faces still around, so it's uh, it's really cool to see. And when when did you know that you wanted to actually do this as a career?
1: Man, I don't know. I feel like I've always kind of wanted to be a wrestler Uh, as a kid, you know, being involved. uh, I always had all the wrestling t-shirts, had all the action figures. But I think uh, once I graduated from high school, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to give it a shot and see what happens. Because my high school didn't have wrestling, so I – it didn't it
3: never really caught my attention but once i finished high school I, I asked my dad if i could give it a shot and what was your dad's reaction you know was he very pro you getting into wrestling was he warning you of the the perils of doing it how did he react uh i think he was excited
1: about it um he was excited he was nervous i'm sure he didn't he didn't know if i had what it takes so he was uh he was like i'll be the first one to know if you
3: got something so he, uh, yeah, we went in there, and he, he gave me the green light. And you know, we heard Conan at your dad's Hall of Fame speech talk about how he got your dad into wrestling. What was Conan's guidance into your journey to becoming a wrestler?
1: Oh, he was he was there when I took my first steps in the ring. Um, you know, with it was my dad and him first training me, uh, and it was like for two months, I believe. And he was he was hard on me. You know, I uh, I remember I was doing like rolls and uh i was i was tired you know and i wanted to stop and i was like all right i gotta go to the bathroom he's like no you don't so like, you're just trying to get out of it he was keep rolling so little things like that he, uh he definitely helped with my uh with my discipline and ring and he still helps me you know to this day every now and then i'll call him for help and
3: and he'll give me his guidance do you think it helped having somebody who was giving you a bit of tough love in that regard to kind of prepare you for what was to come uh, yeah, I think it definitely helped.
1: But I think that's also why uh, I was sent away, you know, and I didn't do all of my training with my dad and with Conan because they knew that they were, in a way, going to, like, not baby me, but let me slide with certain things when other coaches wouldn't. You know, guys like uh like Lance Storm when I was in Canada or Jay Lethal when I was in Florida. The little things like that that really helped me kind of just, you know, shape myself.
3: And obviously we'd seen you in WWE TV like every few years for different angles and stuff but the when you got involved in your dad's match with Brock Lesnar in 2019 we saw you get physical we we kind of oh Dominic Mysterio looks like he's going to be a wrestler now what was that experience like how did it come about and what are your memories of it
1: Uh I don't really remember how it came about I think it just kind of naturally became a thing um once they saw me backstage cuz they hadn't seen me since I was uh, like maybe twelve or thirteen, so when they saw me, I was already, you know, six feet tall, you know, two hundred some pounds. So they were, they're were like, oh wow, maybe we could throw a dom in there. So I think it kind of just happened organically. But yeah, I remember, uh, I, was, I remember being super nervous getting involved with with Brock Lesnar. Um, I mean, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it was very very interesting part to. To start my
3: my career with WWE in 2019. It was a, a lot of fun. And like you know, you, you you do that those spots in that match with with Ray and Brock and you come back. I'm guessing that when you get behind the curtain, people are very complimentary because the crowd were behind you and it just seemed like this is a fit. You know, it kind of seemed like this is your destiny to do it. Was that kind of the response you were getting when you got back there? Um yeah. I
1: I believe so. I think it was uh I think they were surprised because um, everything that I was doing was kinda just on the fly, like in the spot in like like normal normal clothes, right? I I wasn't in like in ring gear wearing boots or anything. I was just kind of doing this stuff in like my shoes and jumping off the top rope and hoodies and jeans without knee pads. So they were like, oh, what's wrong with this kid, you know? But uh I I think it ended up working out in my favor.
3: And you know, then you come in as a you know proper character, May twenty twenty to start the the feud with Seth Rollins. I mean, a lot of people, if they come into wrestling, would have started in NXT, but you're kind of thrown in at the deep end in this thing with Seth. How? What was the process behind you know getting you in there straight away on the main roster?
1: Um, I don't think there was any actual like process for it. Like I said, everything kind of just happened so fast for me that I didn't really get a chance to like almost have a say in a way because we like my dad and I had set we had sat down and uh, figured out how we were going to do it debut was going to be somewhere else I was going to go independent for a little while and kind of try to get my my uh my training wheels going and get my feet wet kind of deal but when I was offered this opportunity against Seth uh I knew that if I turned it down, there wasn't going to be another opportunity like this. So I figured, and my dad told me, he was like, this is completely up to you if you want to do it. He goes, I can't make your decision for you. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen again or if I'm going to get the shot. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. And he was like, all right, you think you're ready? I was like, we'll see. <laughs> and mean- then ap- afterwards, too, they I was supposed to go down to NXT um, and do the whole developmental thing and how they how they how the process is actually supposed to go um, but
3: it just never happened so and I never asked or complained <laughs> um, I mean I mean, I guess in hindsight it's, it's quite strange that you know you started in WWE properly during COVID there was no fans there was no nothing I mean now looking back do you think that was a benefit that you got to start that way or do you think it was a hindrance that you started that way how do you look at it?
1: Um, I kind of just see it as like a a phase of my career because I feel like nothing I've done has been normal, right as far as starting as an eight year old fighting for my custody and then coming in at twelve again and getting uh yelled at by cm Punk to then coming out when I'm like in my twenties and getting my ass beat by Brock. so it's like nothing I've really done has been normal so once once I actually started and we were during the pandemic and there was no fans, it, it felt odd, but it was different for me because I was getting all those reactions, not as a wrestler. So once the pandemic started and I was wrestling, I didn't know what those reactions were. So for me, that was just normal. And once we got to the crowds, it was a whole different animal.
3: And you know, you and and your dad go on to win the tag team titles at WrestleMania backlash. You know, that must be a huge moment. I mean, Talk about your memories of that. I mean, I know, a pe- I know a lot of people were kind of sad it didn't happen for you at WrestleMania, but um, did you expect that to be something that was going to happen?
1: No, you know, I I did not expect to uh, win a title so soon, especially with my dad, um, from guys like, you know, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. you know, two legends in the game that have been doing this for years, you know. So I think it kind of just, again, happened so organically that – it, our momentum was just flowing and we were like, I think it's I think we should give give the Mysterios a title. So it kind of kinda just happened. And for me, it was such a surreal moment because it there was no crowd, but afterwards we came back for that first match with the crowd, and we were the tag champs. And you could feel that energy, you know, so it's uh, it was a really cool moment, especially to know that uh, they can't take that away from us. That'll be in the
3: history books forever, you know, first ever father, son, tag team champions. And did it mean a lot to your dad? You know, he's done a lot in his career, but that must be pretty high up and up there for for his list of accomplishments.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think so. Uh, I can't speak for him, but um, he's definitely had a like for me i know it's uh it's it's special to be part of that list of champions you know from him having Eddie Guerrero Batista RVD Edge like those are some some top names that are that have been his tag team partners that have been champions with him and to add me to that list you know it's a it's pretty surreal but i know uh i hope it was a a special moment for him in his career you know cuz he's done it all and he's done everything and um he he seemed pretty happy that night but at the end of the day, his happiness doesn't matter.
3: <laughs> of course of course, I forgot. Um, you mentioned when the crowds came back, it was a different animal. In what way was it different was it a different animal for you to deal with?
1: Uh, just because I hadn't I had like I said, I'd I'd never gotten that reaction um wrestling as a, like because I, I debuted during the pandemic. You know, I got the reactions when I was with uh when I did the stuff with Brock, but I didn't understand how to how to do things. I was kind of just still breaking in and I I still don't really know how to do things, you know, but I still like, I understand more. And I, I know certain things that I didn't know back then. So it, it's, uh it's crazy too. Cause just that crowd reaction gave me so much more energy that I didn't know I would have, you know, cause I would get certain times I'd get tired during the matches and then I couldn't find that extra boost of energy and then the crowds are back and I'd be tired, and then all of a sudden I hear that crowd roaring, and man, it just gives you like that different animal. That's that. So it's just it really helps, and it's 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 special to see how uh, how how much the fans really mean to us and how much we need them.
3: You, yeah, we can't not talk about the big turn clash at the castle where you turned on your dad. You turned on Edge. I mean, we've seen a lot of kind of family feuds in the past. Some that have worked, some that haven't. You know. Matt and Jeff Hardy didn't really seem to work, but Brett and Owen Hart did you obviously you know knew this was coming but would, in that day and the feeling of it, were you nervous about is this gonna live up to what you hope it would be, or were you confident in what you guys would be able to do with it?
1: I've never despite sound bad, but I don't know if I've ever really put a lot of thought into like what I'm gonna do if it's gonna if it's gonna blow up or if it's gonna make a big impact or uh if it's going to be something special you know i don't i i don't really think about it that way mm. i feel like i should but it's more of like i try to execute as perfectly as i can what i have to do to make the fans happy and to to kind of make sure that everyone else is happy with what i'm doing you know so i think that day what was going through my head is just freaking take his head off <laughs> 'Cause like if 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 I don't, that first shot on him is, is, is gonna be what matters. So I was like if this doesn't look good, it nothing else is gonna is gonna be good. So I knew that first shot is the one that
3: mattered and it had to be good. I saw you say in an interview that you know you're quite a shy guy off off screen away from the camera. How did you kind of develop this villainous persona that seems to come very easy to you on TV, but how did you kind of get into it?
1: Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of just always secretly been hidden in me that I'm kind of just this dick, you know, (laughs) um, which it like, like with all things kind of just came naturally to me, man. I don't know what it was, but I think what really helped me was I guess when I was training with, with Lance and with Jay lethal and, uh, I guess everyone thought I was going to just be a, a baby face like my dad, you know, and just be, just be a, a good guy all the time. So when I would do practice matches, I would want to be a heel. I wanted to be the bad guy. So I trained, uh, most of the time my, my practice matches, I was always the bad guy. Um, so it was always fun to kind of get into that character. So once I got the opportunity, I was like, I'm not going to blow it. This is going to be the one because I've always wanted to to be the bad guy, you know, guys like uh, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, you know, Chris Jericho, like guys like that, that I just grew up
3: watching. It's like, that's, that's how I wanted to do it. Um, your prison dom obviously has to come up here. And um, I saw that there might have been um, some sort of nods to prison Mike from the office of how that came about. What well, tell us the story. How did Present the prison dom idea that it come to you? Did you suggest the prison Mike thing? so i don't I don't know how it actually started. I
1: think it it picked up when Finn came out wearing the bandana the first time and they started doing memes with him, but then I got sent to jail, and I don't know like I think I threw it out as like a text message like as a joke um with the prison mic saying like I can't be held back and then like a couple of days later, I get this text where it's like, "Hey, we want you to do like this promo." And it was the the fresh out of prison promo. I was like, "I was like, all right, cool. Let's see how this turns out." And i I got into character, man. And I just i went i went back home, watched a couple prison movies, and I was like, "Prison Dom, it is," you know. And I i one hundred percent got got deep into character for that. And I think it kind of just it was one of those things where we could just have fun with it.
3: Because it's, it's one of those things that's so ridiculously great, but, like, it only works if you're super serious about it. So, And you mm-hmm. never cracked at any point, which is, is impressive that you managed to keep it together.
1: Uh, thank you, man. But, yeah, man, I, I, I did some time, so
3: I there's nothing to crack. <laughs> um, in terms of Judgment Day, you know, you and Ria's chemistry is amazing. Everybody talks about it. It almost felt like when you and Ria at separate points got in the Judgment Day, there was a point to prove, you know, this was your opportunity, each of you, when you got in this group, to kind of, take it to the next level. Did you feel that when you joined?
1: Not really. I didn't, like I said, I I didn't really think about the impact that, you know, we would all have. Um, to me, it was kind of just the next uh, phase of my life to see where we were going next. You know, I never knew that, like everyone, everyone in the Judgment Day, Finn, Damien, and Rhea, I had very casual like relationships with them very like professional Hi, hello and goodbye and now it's like we're all super close Damien is one of my best friends Finn is my best friend Ria's is like we're you can see it on TV we just kind of we all kind of just get it you know so that just helps us all so much that we're actually out there having fun you know so that's 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 really special.
3: You know, this is—I mean—the storyline with you and your dad is obviously one of the big successes of the Triple H year, if you want to call it that. Has he had a lot of input in kind of helping you guys put things together and kind of make sure that it's it's paced so that like the crowd are going nuts at the right time?
1: Uh yeah, I think it. Uh, he's he's been very helpful in it all. Um, it's a, it's all been a very team team effort. You know, with the riders, with. Uh, the producers helping us put the matches together and stuff like that. And and like you said with
3: Triple H, it's all kind of just been a team effort. And you know, before the WrestleMania match, Conan inducts your dad into the Hall of Fame. And I can only imagine as a wrestler the joy that you must have to be able to watch one of your godfathers do this great speech and then you get to walk out on your dad in front of a crowd that's pure, you know, pro wrestling. Um what was that night like for you?
1: Um it was a, it was a special night, you know, you don't not many people get to say that they get inducted into the hall of fame and have a match the very next day. Um, so it's, uh, it was cool to be able to be a part of something to also continue the storyline through the hall of fame. Cause I don't know if that's ever been done before like that, you know, to where we continue the storyline through the hall of fame. And it was just, uh, it was surreal being able to, get up in the like at, at the beginning of his speech and just hear that reaction from that crowd. Um almost like they couldn't believe it. And I know a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers there as well they didn't know what was going on. So those were that was like their genuine reaction. So it was really cool to see.
3: And I've just get two last questions for you. Obviously the WrestleMania match itself, you got the big entrance. It was one of the biggest talked about matches of the weekend. What was it like to be in that spot going from, you know, the training, the empty performance centers to a major match at WrestleMania with the big entrance treatment?
1: Man, it's a it's a huge blessing. You know, I'm very I'm very fortunate and very thankful to be a part of all of this and all the opportunities that have been given to me, you know. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's so crazy, you know, thinking that uh, a couple of years ago I was watching my dad and Samoa Joe going at it. And I remember I posted a picture and my dad was like, this will, this will be your stage soon, you know? And next thing you know, I'm wrestling him in LA, two hours away from home in San Diego, you know? And it's uh 80,000 people. I get my own entrance. Like it's a, it's a very surreal moment. You know, it's a very, uh, I'm very blessed and I'm very happy to be a part of it. And,
3: uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it
1: was very crazy.
3: You mentioned that there was the the spot with your sister with the the cup that was unplanned that you decided that she deserved that extra uh that extra jab. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was uh like I said I did I it wasn't something that uh that I had planned it kind of just kind of happened. I saw she was holding the cup and originally I was going to drink it but there wasn't that much water in it. There was it was like if this is the cup there is about this much full of water. So I was like, oh, let's cause a little scene here. And I I didn't think she liked it very much. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun spot, especially how many people don't want to say that
3: they want to throw a cup of water in their sister's face, you know? <laughs> and just the very last thing is, you know, you finished the match, you walked backstage. Were you happy with it? And did you get a good reaction from from kind of the match?
1: Yeah, I was, I was happy with it. Um, I think at the time it was kind of just, There's so many moving parts uh, throughout uh, just that weekend alone with the Hall of Fame and everything leading up to it from, you know, uh, live events and TVs and just all the media that we had to do and stuff. There was so much going on that I didn't have a chance to enjoy it in the moment because I was so worried about like if the match was good or whatnot, that after, uh, everything had settled i got to my back to my hotel room and was able to watch back and was very happy with it so but overall i was happy with uh with everything and i was just very happy and
3: very thankful for for the opportunity awesome thank you very much for taking the time i hope the jet lag settles soon Mm -hmm. and you can get on about your day thank you kenny cool appreciate it